What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. How are you guys doing? Welcome over here. Hey, I'm back. He's back. The Aussie's back. This episode is sponsored by Ghostbed. Now, today's going to be a, another one. I'm actually going to let the Aussie take a lot of the reins today because the king himself, which we're going to call him, you guys don't have kings, right? Yeah. Just, we do now. We do now. We had a queen. <laughs> had. had a Emphasis queen. on had. <laughs> uh, he's going to be in the house. He's going to be doing this literally for us today. I'm, I'm, we're going to go down the, the wrath or the path of, I said the wrath, the path of um, a uh, private military. Yeah. Uh, best way to put it. Power private militaries. I'm going to let you take the lead here. And just kind of dive head first into what you think. Because I know right now there's only a little bit of movement on the ground. But I think tomorrow's going to be a big day. That's coming from you. Because you, you're telling, I think it could be. I you're, think, you're telling, you're telling everybody right now, today, tomorrow's going to be a massive day inside of Ukraine. <laughs> Not massive. I just think we'll see some movements <laughs> on the map okay. tomorrow. But where, what we really wanted to talk about was sort of the rise of private military contracts. And, like, they've been around forever. It's just been now more, like, mainstream with Wagner Group, or Wagner Group, under Prigozhin. I wouldn't even say it's mainstream. I think it's been around... I think mainstream was probably Iraq. Mainstream with Blackwater? Yeah, I would say mainstream... Do average person would know who Blackwater is? Though? No, but every, you're right. Okay, you're yeah. right. But, like, if you could go to a random person who has not much of war and they would know Wagner Group to a degree, if they watch the news... If they watch the news, yeah. Because then today, Wagner Group is, you know, on the Russian side and we like to report that as criminal activity on the mainstream where Blackwater, it doesn't matter what you think of them, what happened, wasn't as heavily mainstream reported as Wagner Group. And of course, they were nowhere near as savage. But as far as private militaries, that is sort of all in one and where the line between your contractors and your mercenaries is, is very, that's a shady line. And it's easy to cross that line one way or another. And contractors like Garda World guys, of course, they're not mercenaries. And where does the mercenary part come into Wagner Group with killings and fightings? It's it's really blurry. But there's a lot of people saying that we're going to see a rise of these groups coming. And only, it's being reported today, if you've seen Anna Fox and stuff, that the Wagner leader, Prigozhin, who is a f***ing meme king. Like, he is not a good guy. You're talking about the wrong. old man, right? The old guy. Okay, I know who yeah. you're talking about. This guy, some of the shit you have Prigozhin. Like, what are you doing? What? Bro, I, I've got I, to admit, he's entertaining. Like, he put up... I don't know if you... And you might have talked about it on this. Oh this God. was before I came here a couple of weeks back. He was like, I'm going to go up in a Su-35 aircraft or whatever, like Su-27 maybe, tomorrow. And if Zelensky comes up in one also, we... Whoever wins the dogfight will get Bakhmut. 
Like, no, he, no, he didn't say that. Did he no, say that? Like, <laughs> I didn't even no know that. Real, real, really? real. He was in a fighter jet dropping bombs. Like, in, this, in the second scene, like the Wizzo scene. But, like, it, it's it's all marketing, like, to get gain support. Oh, my but God. That, how do you yeah. spell the guy's name again? Uh, P-R-I-G-O-Z-H. Oh, there it is. I got it. Yeah. 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 Oh my god! Yeah, this this is one of the guys I've been I've been. Oh, he came on complaining about the amount of lack of ammo that was yeah. receiving. But instead of he did the one too that he's going to run for leadership, and he's like talking about like next year I'm going to be running for leadership, blah, blah blah. And then he's like, I'm going to be running for leadership inside Ukraine, and it's just like it's just it's just him like, if it, that it's just creating memes. But either way, he's the leader, and you've got Wagner Group, and then you've got. You know, on the other side, you've got Da Vinci um, group as well as working. There's also Mozart group. So all these guys are just naming themselves after famous uh, composers or artists. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's weird. Wild. Yeah, but I am reading. I am reading on this guy again. I, you were talking about this morning when we were eating breakfast about. It's actually the parents a two minute read, but they're going to be moving or planning to get out of Ukraine and transferring his men to Africa. Yeah, and yeah. right next to it is a. A sign that we have a dying liver. Like, oh, can, we, can we get a? Can we get a? Look at this ad. Oh, it just popped away. Like, look at this. Signs that you have a dying liver and it's a yeah, fart. What fart. the fuck is this? Look at this, Charles. Can you? Can you? Can you zoom in on my face, buddy? Is there? Like, look at this ad. Can you see this? Can, can they see? Can they see this ad or no? Like, yeah. what is that? Can they see? That was literally the ad. Four signs of a dying liver. It's a, it's a lady's tush. She's farting. And the other one before before it switched was actually like a bunch of little acne marks. Anyway, but this, so this <laughs> that was really random. But that guy heads up like he's very rich, you know, oligarch. Yeah, I get that. But so he, I, I get it. He wants to move his stuff to Africa. But well, he wrote in that article. If that's from, is that from today? That article. Yeah. That's probably about. He wrote a letter, like an open letter to Secretary of State um, Anthony Blinken, U.S. He wrote an open letter about like forming a co-alliance in Africa for like a safe and profitable Africa or something amongst the U S and his group that legit. He wrote to Blinken about, I don't even, I don't even have something that's saved. Like what? Well, that is, <laughs> I get he's a businessman, but that doesn't even, but war is the best business there is. And these guys, as far as, you know, trying to capitalize on something is, is right there, you know, and he has a lot of power. And from some of the people I've spoken to, Prigozhin is, one of the guys who really scares Putin before for the control, because you know Putin in Russia is it's it's hard of if he's liked or not. Like there's people that love him, people that hate him, but as well as you know, like he has been seen as failing a lot of these objectives. And Prigozhin, whether you like him or not, at least publicly has been seen at making success in making ground and have. At the end of the day, his guys actually achieved some level of breakthrough. You know, massive casualties and a lot of those casualties being conscripts out of prisons. But well, he did admit he admitted that Wagner would have to reset and this is exactly what he said: reset and cut down its size after the battle for Bakhmut. Yeah. So he, he, I mean, we all know this. Uh, the White House has actually put out they've lost thirty thousand men there as well. Thirty thousand. Yeah. You know how disgusting that is. It's un- it's unbelievable. That's like, I don't know, like a a good night at a baseball stadium full of people. Yeah. You know I mean? That's, that's like, think about how many, that's, that's more yeah. than a lot of towns and cities. Like where you're from, there's probably more people live where you're from, right? Or no? A bit more, but bit more. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nah. There's a ton of people. <laughs> like it, it, it's, it's crazy numbers to think of, but 
But that's been the history of Russia's fighting too. But the different the different way that Wagner's been used in in the sense of of other private militaries been used because Americans we've used private military of course we use Blackwater a lot in Iraq. Mm. We didn't use them to take areas and control areas. Mm. They were used for escorting like yeah. HVTs, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, that's literally a bit of hostage recovery things. Like that's that. it. That was they were yeah. never used for. And the funny thing is, is Blackwater and all those. And they're now changing their name to Z. I think was it XI, 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 whatever, yeah, whatever it is. Okay. Anyway, they basically just rebranded. Big thing here is, is they're just made up of SF and Rangers and SEALs. And yeah. Just literally, and there's good money in it. Yeah. You know, guys right. who went there. I know guys. Yeah, who I, no, that's like that. And there's, there's good money. There's way better money in it than Tons than there money. is in being in the army. And but the thing is, that comes and it's everything is comes with risk. You know, at the end of the day, it's way more... If something goes wrong, like if you're an American soldier, Australian soldier, and something goes wrong, you've got the whole backing of the the whole Defence Force, Armed Service, before, you know, behind you. They can yeah. call in choppers, they can do this, they can call in bombs. There's multiple stories of these, you know, PMC groups of getting, you know, in some shootout, someone getting in the shit, and literally the other side turning off the radios and being like, oh, that's it. Multiple times. So many of us are hot sleepers. If you guys are regularly waking up from sweating, that's me. I do. One million percent. And you guys are not able to go back to sleep. You are not alone. 100%. You're not alone. And the mattress embedding you, it, it is a massive, it plays a massive role in this. Okay. That's where Ghostbed can actually help you guys out. Because Ghostbed is also a family owned company and the makers of the coolest beds in the world. They've been designing cooling mattresses for the last 20 plus years. Summer's coming up here in America. This is the time to snag one. They have signature materials and technology that help thousands of people across the United States get the sleep they deserve. They might even help you over inside of Australia as well. From their signature ghost ice fabric, yes, ghost ice fabric, to patented technology that adjusts with your body temperature. Every ghost bed mattress is designed with a cooling in mind, and they want to cool you down. We love Ghostbed here, so we're excited to share an exclusive deal with our listeners. For a limited time, you guys get 40% off all Ghostbed mattresses. 40% off plus two luxury pillows. All you got to do is use promo code ROB at ghostbed.com forward slash ROB. 40% off. It'll be linked to the very top description as well. That's ghostbed.com forward slash ROB with promo code ROB to save 40% off. Stop sweating at night. Your, uh, your spouse does not like it. It's disgusting. Grab yourself a Ghostbed. It'll be linked to the very top of the description. Now the real question is how much of these 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 Wagner guys like how much money do you think they're actually? Man, I know a lot of them they're they're, they're conscripts. I mean, I have a, how would I even say this? I guess conscripts good term. Actually, the correct term. They're taken out of prisons. I don't know. I guess, conscripts would be the right term. I guess you say for this. Yeah, yeah, it's, probably it's, a, it's a pro- proper term. A lot of them. They do have a lot of professional force too. But they, yeah, but how much of this is actually intermingled, and how many of the casualties are actually non-professional? And well, if, yeah. why why would he want to switch it over to Africa as well? If that if that's the case, then what is Putin going to do? Because right now we know Advika and that whole area. Advika? Avdivka. Avdivka. I can't always jack this name up. It's shocker, I know. Avdika, right now they're kind of pushing through there. It's not essentially going to be the Wagners, though. The Wagners no. aren't aren't fully... This is not like their AO. The Bakhmut is where, like... Bakhmut is their is. AO. That's like so if you guys are looking at a map, um, you know, you can put a map on screen for me. There's Bakhmut. You, gotta, you, you just go a little bit south from there, and this is pretty much out of their AO, which a lot of you guys don't know, area of operations is going to be your AO. Now, my question is, is what is, if that's the case, if he takes his men out, this, I mean, this could be a massive, like if, if sincerely, this could be a significant blow to the Russian military as a whole. 
Of course. No, yeah. one million percent. Because right now, the Wagners are pretty much controlling the hottest area of the country. Now, is he putting this out there to make it known to Putin, like, hey, don't fuck around with me. I'm going to pull my men out. You're fucked because this area you can't even control anyway with your men. Your men can't push through here. I'm having to do it myself. Yeah. Is this like a, hey, my dick's bigger than your dick kind of game? Like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. And you're, you know what I mean? Well, he, man, Wagner is a weasel because there is absolutely some sort of, um, some shit between Putin and Prigozhin because Prigozhin is being seen as a very powerful, and they're saying could be the second most powerful person in Russia right now as far as like, politically. And people have said that he could eventually step into the position of you know, the, the president, dictator, whatever you want to say, in Russia. But from speaking to a guy on the ground in Bakhmut, he was saying that they've killed a lot of these guys who are in Wagner. But he's saying they're patched guys in Wagner, but they're not like OG, original Wagner group guys. That a lot of the guys they're killing were these guys taken from prisons or recruited you know, taken baseline that basically what they're doing, and this is where that the idea of human waves comes from, would be to send out these guys from prisons or whatever into the front court, like draw out the machine gun fire, and then they would send like a highly trained strike team of like the original Wagner guys in. And he was like, yeah, so if the difference in training in Wagner group is you've got guys from prisons with very little experience, very little training, you know, to draw fire. And you've got these guys who are legitimate professional, like SF level soldiers. And you've seen that with the gear too, that you can see Wagner group guys with equipment, whatever. And then you'll also see guys who have been killed and have got these gear of absolute high end equipment with, um, they call them like a spider or something. It's like little things sat on your helmet, told you any like IR lasers on you, like high end stuff, high end equipment. And, he, what he was basically saying is the numbers we've seen of dead guys from Wagner Group in Bakhmut isn't really representative of the original Wagner, like, ex-professional army guys. It's a lot of just these guys they've recruited in from prisons and whatever else. But it's difficult that if he was to then try and pull out, but I think he's, I think he's doing, doing this a bit of a bartering chip. I think it's almost not just a bartering chip, but also to save face. Yeah. Because saving face in the sense... Because I just found that he's sending, he just sent the Kremlin, I guess you realize, to his, his but he, he, you know, we already know, he could text, he could probably text Putin. Hey, but, like, yeah. You know what I mean? He could text. Hey, you know what? He's warning, he made it very public that he warned the Russian military that there's a very large scale attack that's coming. And we talked about this, I think, before we hopped in here yeah. in the southern portion of the country. Southern, Southeast, whatever you want to, yeah, that area, that whole area. And we're talking about a couple hundred thousand men type push. And, He's stating that it's going to be in the late part of March, which we're in. It's twenty third. It's the twenty third. So we're talking about the late portion of March, going into the very beginning of April, is mm-hmm. what he's talking about. And this is he's thinking that it's going to be big enough to be able to cut off his men inside of Bakhmut. So if is this is this the whole? I I remember I questioned Zelensky when he had stated that holding Bakhmut was crucial to the counteroffensive. And me being me, I'm just a dumb person sitting in a room. That doesn't really make too much sense. Because to me, I look at Bachmann, I'm like, oh, it doesn't really seem like that important. You get it. You can lose a battle and win a war. But yeah. like you can also drain your resources in a battle to make it to where you're going to end up losing the war. Yeah. I I, don't, I think I more sit on that than I think Bachmann has been draining resources so heavily on both sides. Like it, 
you're talking to 30,000 guys and we know and it's been more and more public through Ukrainian channels that the loss of life from the Ukrainian side in Bakhmut has been catastrophic as well but of course you know the, de the defending force will take less casualties but it's still been massive in there. The big thing with Bakhmut is if you look on the west side of Bakhmut, that's where the high ground is. There's like a rolling hill, like a ridge line through there almost up Solidar. And the reason why Bakhmut has taken so long to have any offensive like advance from the Russians is all the guns can be in defilade, all the artillery guns can be in defilade positions. So for people who don't know defilade, you'll have you know, a hill, the gun on the side. The artillery can fire out, but it's very hard to hit that coming yeah. in. So... You'd probably be able to find a diagram somewhere, Charles, of like defilade positions, and that's why it's been so defensible. But at the same time, if you look on the map, if Russia was to get gain that high ground, then they gain that advantage from the east to west. But then in the same time, it's basically, and people will jump on with this, but basically then open road, open fields, all the way into Kramatorsk. So, um, oh, it's the other one in there. Um, Slovyansk. Slovyansk. It's basically, an, it can be a basically an open road into that. And Zelensky said that himself, that, you know, if the fall of Bakhmut could really be an open road into the Donbass, into the Donetsk, or continuing into the Donetsk Oblast. So Bakhmut is a very important place to be, to have, but at the same time, it allows, you know, Ukraine to draw down Russian soldiers, but then the, the Russian sides are saying, we're doing the exact same to them. So I think it's a bit of both. I think they're just drawing down each other in that region, but... You know, there's got to be more region than just symbolic. And in the beginning, it was, oh, Bakhmut, symbolic, symbolic. And then it started changing very, oh, no, it's a very tactical, you know, place. We need this. And it's like, well, hang on, what actually is it? And if you ask me, looking at topography maps, um, there's a train line into there from the, um, from sort of near Russia in as well. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere they really need. Avdivka is the same. But no side is going to throw tens of thousands of men into something that is completely just null and void. But the problem is if they do get it, they could collapse the front line through there. Will that completely collapse? I don't think so. I, I don't think that we've got any, either side has stacked up a house of cards and one fall will collapse everything else. I, I don't believe that'll be it because enough, there's been so little movement realistically in the past, let's say four months, five months, that both sides have been able to entrench themselves very heavily behind the front lines. So I don't think that it'll be a, you'll see a full collapse. But something interesting Prigozhin talks about as well is a sort of bartering, a trade of land where he reckons that, and then again, this is someone you need to take with a grain of salt because of not only does he have his own interests politically in this, he's got his own interests financially in this. This is his business. But he's got um, fairly strong opinions that Ukraine will try and take Russian ground in the Belgorod uh, Oblast district and then trade it back to Russia. So Belgorod is in the north. Well, it's it's Russia, so it will be in mm -hmm. the southwest of Russia, but northeast north, above yeah. Ukraine. And he's saying in that that, and I've actually heard this um, mentioned a lot, that could Ukraine capture some areas of Russia and trade that back for areas? Hey, we've got this Belgorod district. If you give us back Crimea, we'll give you back this. I don't know. It's been speculated heavily. The problem with doing this and this goes into something I think if, if the West and America really want to give Ukraine the advantage, what we, they need to do is change these rules about using these Western weapons in targeting inside Russia. So, of course, this would be very difficult because if they're taking back areas, Ukraine can use HIMARS and 
all these big things, and HIMARS are one of the big ones we've seen against artillery, but if they are taking areas inside of Russia, well, it's been very clear that these weapons are not to be used outside of their own territory um, and within, you know, occupied territories. And that buys into something as well as if you really want to see these big advances, I believe America can, you know, well, America can continue supplying things, but there needs to be a, a change on can they then strike within Russia because Russia's using a bit of, like, safe spot. Like, you know, well, once this damaged vehicle or whatever is sitting inside of our territory, we're fine to work on it. We can use it. And if we can launch missiles from here, well, they can't hit us because, you know, they can hit us with these drones or some other things. But as far as you're not allowed to use HIMARS to, to get that in there. So that's a big one. But that trade back could be very interesting if Ukraine was able to actually gain a foothold within Russian territory. And that would be it would raise then a lot of political problems as well. Um, but it could be interesting. But could these offensives against Wagner Group go ahead? Absolutely. And there's a really good map from Rybar, who, you know, Rybar is a more pro-Russian source, pro-Russian maps, but in all my comparisons from Rybar to Deep State map, ISW, uh, Live UA map, Rybar isn't... Some Russian maps is completely overblown with, we've got this territory and it's like, I'm in that territory now. No, you don't. Like, I'm going to the, the Oko shop here. Like, no. But Rybar is actually pretty legit. Um, at least my comparisons. And they have this thing about, like, this is units here, blah, 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 these Ukraine units, and this will be the axis of advancing these areas. And he's basically saying very similar pictures to that. And there's been a lot of people speculating around could um, have Russia actually been allowed to advance through areas such as Solidar to then create a sort of second encirclement that Ukraine sort of let them come forward sort of bite off more than they can chew if a large advance from the north and south, or sorry, coming in the east, but it'll be north and south sort of pincer on those forces and potentially cut off the Russian forces. Now, I don't know if that that sort of four-dimensional chess game is in play, uh, but it, I guess it could be. And if, if he's, you know, correct or even 50% correct, and there's 100,000 or 200,000, he, he says 200,000, but mm-hmm. let's, even if it's 100,000 men, that is a massive, massive amount of forces. And, and with, he speaks of, and one thing he does say is true, is the weather is getting better than it is starting to, yeah. it will start to dry out more and more. <clears throat> and the Western vehicles are going to be starting to be seen. I think within days or weeks, we'll start seeing Leopard 2s, like on the ground. Russia claims they've already killed a couple, but the photographs released were, one was from the Netherlands in a training exercise, bogged, and another one was from Germany in like at some exercise. So, they haven't killed any leopards yet, but we will start seeing like leopards on the ground and more of these vehicles because it would be silly to just chuck them in somewhere. Now, if you're on the back foot, you won't just chuck them in. But, you know, at the, at the moment, we will probably start seeing them come in. And he's a powerful guy, man, with a lot of information fed to him. No, yeah, no, you're talking about their, their, their shit. I'm reading this again. Like they are going to be shifting all their focus back over to the countries inside of Africa, Sudan, mm. Mali, and Central African Republic. Yeah. And they're talking about this, that the Wagner's already been there before, of course, but they posted a recruitment notice that's offering, already offering nine to 14 months deployment staff. You, you, you'll be able to find this somewhere, Charles, as well. The recruitment, Wagner's trying to recruit American troops yeah. as well. And they put that up and they sort of play into that whole mega thing. Um, <clears throat> and as, as silly 
as you or I, other people watching this, may think, oh, that's silly, who would fall? People do fall for that. People also fall for this, oh, you know, buy now, pay later. But, you know, it, it's, it's one of these whole things. People do fall for it. And there are a number of foreign troops from the US, from Australia, from the UK, within Wagner Group fighting. And Wagner has been somewhat clever about some of their recruiting as well inside Afghanistan, inside Africa as well. Afghanistan, Wagner was known for recruiting ex-ANA, like Ash, um, Afghan National Army forces that you or I have had some involvement with well, training. Take them. That, that, those are literally just meat grinder guys right there. Well, those they're going to be more trained than your guys out of a prison. Yeah. And there are, there are like, you were, you were pretty early, medium in the Afghan war, but by the late Afghan war, some of these guys were, were fairly well trained, especially you talking about those um, Afghan commandos, crew triple two guys. Mm. They knew what they were doing. Well, they knew a lot more, though. Yeah, because you got to remember your baseline. You're taking a baseline of American soldiers, Marines, whatever. And my baseline is coming from Australian infantrymen. Our baseline of what we think is a shit soldier is still fairly high. So, you know, these, these A&A guys, well, compared to a lot of untrained conscripts, will be well-trained soldiers. Yeah, that's that's not going to be well. That's a good but, point. Yeah. Um, but what they're doing, and, and I can't blame these guys, and, you know, whatever, people jump on me for that, but if you are an ANA soldier, ex like Afghan National Army commando, whatever, inside Afghan, and the Taliban is, like, hunting you down, they were going to kill you and your family because you were, you know, against um, their regime, we'll say, and then Russia Wagner Group come to you, and in the contract it is, we'll pay you X amount of rubles, you know, for the year, for this 9, 12-month contract, and then after that give you a residency or citizenship into Russia. Now, people have their own opinions about what it's like living in Russia, but I can tell you right now, if you said to me, even at this point in time, you can either go live with your background in Russia or in Afghanistan, probably still going to choose Russia. And these guys who are being hunted by the Taliban, they're going to have success getting these guys recruited. And, And I can't blame them. Like... I can't blame them for having some outlook. Like, yeah, I'll take my, I'll take my bloody chance because a hundred percent chance I'm going to get beheaded to my family probably as well by the Taliban, and maybe I'll survive this and have some better life. But they're being clever, if you want to say, in recruiting like that, and they're recruiting like that from Africa too. There are massive Wagner um, recruiting stations throughout places like Mali and Burkina Faso and things like that as well. Mali has just kicked out all the French guys. French um, SF were doing a lot of work there. They're kicked out. So is media, whatever. So those areas are, you know, they, they're doing recruiting from there. And in the, the day, Russia like to fight with numbers. And Wagner, no different to that. They like numbers on the ground. It's it's wild. But either way, if he actually does pull out of this area, it's going to be extremely detrimental to the Russians. I know on the Russian yeah. side of things, the, the, the regular Russian military is probably, the, the leaders are probably pretty excited about this happening just because they want to prove that they can do it. I'm sure that's the way that they're thinking. Go ahead. Let them, let, let them go. We'll take over their spot. We can get through it. Eh, I don't know. This is going to be pretty... I think this is going to be pretty heavy hitting to, to the Russians, to be honest with you. I'm, that's just me, though. Well, a lot of the areas Wagner took have been handed back to um, the Russians. Russian army to hold. Yeah. So as, we, as anyone in the military knows, it's a lot easier to hold ground than to take ground. So um, Solidar was taken by Wagner Group, actually taken fairly quickly, and then now is, to my um, understanding, being held by the VDV, who are the Russian paratroopers who had a terrible, at least, entry into this war um, with Hostomol Airport. It was absolutely atrocious. It was... Well, it depends on how you look at it. Some people say it was a win. I'm like, 
Well, it so, depends. It, with everything, it depends how far you zoom in on out on things. So was it a win on um, disabling the airport? Yes. Like, did the was the mission successful in disabling the airport? Yes. And that, but you to say yes to that you have to discount every other aspect of how many guys did you lose, how many good, like well trained guys, and I'm meaning well trained within the Russian forces, but the VDV are well trained within their force, and they lost a lot of those guys. They got cut off, but did the airport null and cannot not be used? Yes. Was it a symbolic win? Hard depends how you put it, but it Twelve turned into an absolute. Twelve months later, it actually worked. It worked out worse for the Russians because now the Ukrainians are probably extremely heavily fortified in the northern portion of the country now compared to, were, compared to they were a year ago. So it actually did not pan out for them at all. No, but at least in the beginning, it stopped that airport airport yeah, from being. Used. They did. I'm not saying it was a good op, but what I'm saying is this is the way people try and spin this into. Oh, it worked well because of this, but it, it just went to, and and I still don't know, and it will never come out of what exactly happened on that operation in the morning. Because if you see it, photos of the morning of the 24th at like 3 a.m. before they were going to come in, these are paratroopers. They were loading up on AN whatever aircraft to jump in and they were going to jump in and Russia can deliver um, paratroop vehicles. They've got armoured vehicles they can deliver under canopy with the guys on board. Now, I know America can do this. We can, you can deliver some vehicles, some amphibious vehicles and Humvees and by the air under canopy, but you don't deliver them with guys in them where Russia do deliver some of these vehicles, at least speaking, with the dudes in on board, what's some A-team shit, that's wild. But and, and but for some reason, those planes, and there's a photo of these, like 15 big transporters, like and it got like scrapped on that morning, and we're going in by helicopter. And it, it, I still don't know exactly what happened there. Um, we do know some of those planes actually got shot down as well, but a lot of them never left the airfield, meaning that these guys were sort of, their mission was a bit like, I go in, hold the airfield, and then go out on under your own means. And then the choppers took them in, dropped them off, and apparently just left them there. And these, you know, these guys, and you see the GoPro footage, these guys somewhat know what they're doing. Like you see them bounding up and moving and taking cover, which, you know, basic infantry minor tactics, as some degree if they know what they're doing. But then they just got left. You know, the choppers never came back in to get them because at that point, you know, none of them could come back in um, from the amount of man pads. And then they had to go hitch rides out on the outside of BMPs, BTRs. Um, so this was from Louise Burned, who's like a researcher about war. And she talks about private contracts and why, like people go, why are these important when you have militaries? And what she goes is private force has several benefits for those who employ them. For one, it's far cheaper to rent a heavily armed battle-hardened mercenary group for a few weeks than it is to maintain a comparable standing armour. Uh, sorry, army. And then she brings an example for the Nigerian military, uh, military apparatus fought in Burkina Faso for years. So what they're saying is the amount of money we need to have a an army, like the biggest US expense will be military. It is, the same with us. And you know, the amount of money it costs a country to have a standing professional army is massive. You're looking at billions and billions of dollars. A lot of countries don't have that. But imagine you've got like an election coming up, like a federal election. You may be able to rent one of these well-trained, you know, Russian-American, and there's all these countries, Poland have one, like Latvia, like all these countries have some sort of PMC, will be a lot cheaper for them to rent them coming in. And we know that doing this skirts some wars too. So it goes, um, further benefit is that mercenaries who die in the battle do not potentially impact national politics, like fallen soldiers. 
Of course, you're not going to, you know, a Wagner guy getting killed or even a Blackwater guy getting killed. It doesn't go on the news, on the tributes, on the memorials. It's because it's not within that nation's army. Um, and killed mercenaries often go unnoticed and reported. Additionally, PMCs can be hard to trace, granting the employing state organisation plausible deniability. And they bring up for Wagner Group. And we know Russia, and this we've seen this with Russia with using uh, chlorine-based weapons in uh, Syria as well, which has been documented, that Russia love plausible deniability. And within this goes, Russia will say that they are not have military ties and political ties to Wagner Group, that they're you know, employed, but they operate under their own thing. Now, we know that's bullshit, because why would then he be going to the Kremlin wanting these um, ammunition, to talk about ammunition? But plausible deniability is something Russia love. Same with the drone that re recently went down. No, we, it was flying right on our peninsula. We dropped some uh, fuel on it, and it went down under its own steam. Russia love plausible deniability and things, and Wagner Group is no different to that, and they can operate outside of that. So these private... Military groups are absolutely on the rise worldwide. And Wagner Group is no different. And this won't, even the, even if this war completely shifts one way or the other, Wagner Group will still exist because countries like Africa, or sorry, countries like Africa, countries within Africa, some of these poor nations, don't, can't afford some of these other private military groups. And, some, and these other private military groups don't operate as savagely. So Wagner Group mercenaries, they will just come in with that guy killed, but they'll just kill for money, do it. And that works in some areas, at least for instilling fear. It's bloody wild. So, and as well in that is, you know, the plausible liability and Russia not having ties. One of the big ones that has been you know, debunking this is Wagner are working with some of the absolute state-of-the-art Russian equipment. Wagner Group is not just soldiers on the ground. Wagner have tanks, they've got artillery, they've got fighter jets. Now, I don't know if there's any other... PMC around the world who has fighter jets. I, I wouldn't believe so. There might be contractors who can fly jets, but that's a different story. But but what we've seen is Wagner have operated T-90S and T-90M tanks, which are the absolute state of the art for the Russian forces. And where this debunks things, they're going, hang on, if you have, if you're not part of the forces, how do you have access to newer vehicles than a lot of you know, the actual Russian forces. So it's, it's very interesting. But what a lot of people are bringing up, not to make this too long, is could the US get around these issues of giving Ukraine fighter jets by using American contractors? There has been an American F-15 pilot, I believe, who's, you know, a, a very well-known, he might be F-16, say that he would happily go and fight in Ukraine flying a Western jet. And this is one of the skirt arounds we've seen is, America has said that if another country wants to give F-16s, whatever, go for it. Um, General Dynamics, I think it is, uh, or Lockheed has said, you know, we're fine with fighter jets going in. But what it, what the problem is, what's stopping them, is the year, two years of training for a fighter pilot. Could Ukraine cut a deal, could Kiev cut a deal with the states, whatever, to get fighter jets and put contractors in these jets? Could it happen? We've seen F-18 guys, a UK F-18 guy is... Buddy, basically on the chopping block now for going to China and teaching Chinese fighter pilots and basically showing them all our drills too. This was a massive deal because, you know, F-18 guy, absolutely like Super Hornet guy, buddy, scumbag going to China and doing this. But could we see this happen? And that's the way if I was, you know, in somewhere in the head of in Kiev, that's what I'd be looking at is, right, can we get these jets and put a contracted pilot in them? 
and we'll see more and more of this as as the world becomes more public. You can't do anything without being seen with a smartphone now. And America and the coalition could not operate like we did in the early, you know, say, Iraq. Well, we could not operate like that anymore because too many things would be filmed and seen and it would go too quickly. And we've seen everything you see on the front line, whether Ukrainian or Russian, is filmed and seen and creates a storm on both sides. Could we start seeing more of these private military companies, contractors, becoming more of a thing because it gives states that level of plausible deniability. I know the Prime Minister, and when I was in Afghanistan, the Prime Minister of Australia's convoy, he was in the vehicle with Australian Special Forces guys, but made up through that convoy of the other vehicles was private military contractors as well because they can operate within different laws of armed conflict in different ROE, rules, of, rules of engagement within things like that. They're also very expert. They, they're basically all ex-SF guys and they work just in that just in that AO. So they know it very well. But it's an interesting world and I think we have not seen the end of it at all. I'm glad you actually touched on it. My God, you had a lot to say there. You, Man, you know I can talk to a wall. I can talk for hours. You could talk. My God, that was pretty good. I, I'm glad you brought it up. I really think that if this actually does happen, and we, had, I, I'm going to stand by what I said. He is shifting the blame without it happening already. He's just like, I know what's coming. I see the writing on the wall. Spring is starting, as you would say. I think it's actually started. And weather's changing. Things are drying up. I got to get my guys and everything out of here before I get my teeth kicked in. And I, I got to save face and move back to Africa. We don't know the contracts either. No. Like, what is Russia Like, what is Russia paying Wagner Group? What, what are they paying? Like, you know, we don't know this. But at the end of the day, he's running a business. You need to be profitable. It is Burkina Faso, is Mali, is you know one of these countries in here. Uh, is there something of oh, you know, we will fund this, we'll pay you this? We've seen Wagner Group heavily operate in Assad um, regime in Syria. So it, it, at the end of the day, it's a business, and these guys don't give a about that. I, I have friends who work through Southeast Asia with private military um, companies, and you know, hired by countries and sent there from it's really dodgy shit. but they come into contact with wagner group a lot and still they're still within south asia wagner group and my friends have said these guys are animals mate like he's like you like he's like we will see we'll pass them on the road and oh, wave to each other but he's like these guys are animals like they don't give a shit. and at the end of the day if wagner group go to whatever country and commit if wagner group go to syria and use chemical weapons if you and break war crimes and this who does it fall back on Prigozhin's business you can't charge you know russia with anything it's not it's not part of the russian federation private militaries give states a level of plausible deniability if the american government and the cia would hire xe or xr they are or blackwater or one of these other plethora of bloody services to go and do this well it's not it's, there's a level, it's a, it's a step of, you know, there's a distancing themselves from the government. So these states will continue to do it. And Russia's done it for a long time. We've done it for a long time. And it's it's not going to end, man. Like, it's just going to get worse and worse. Like I said, of, you know, soldiers are accountable now for everything. See, the Australians are bloody absolutely on the chopping block for war crimes, which might be a bullshit. I'm doing a piece on this at the moment. But from GoPro footage, it's come up. And realistically, Iraq, Afghan, realistically, we're for the absolute mass integration of smartphones everywhere with decent cameras. And this is just going to get wild. If we, if America coalition never went back into a war, 
every single thing they do is going to be filmed and out there. And it's, you, this is why private militaries, I believe, and a lot of people are saying will become more and more relevant into the future. And, you know, they, they, they can operate on things that are outside the control. This is the reason a lot of these contracts do um, recovery of um, people as well. So if someone is taken hostage, that sometimes an amount of money... So America, America, Australia, the coalition does not negotiate with terrorists. If I'm taken hostage while filming in Afghanistan, say, the, our government will not negotiate with the Taliban, will not give you, will not deliver a bag full of USD and say we want Willie back. They won't do that. Now, of course, people bring an example of the CIA doing whatever, but on a political scale, we don't negotiate with terrorists. But... And I know guys who have been involved in hostage recovery who work in private military contracts because, well, I don't work for the government. I work for whoever's hiring me. So, you know, Charles has got captured. I want Charles back. Right, well, I'm going to raise $100,000. I'm going to go to ex-private military contractor, a bunch of, you know, Western SF guys, ex-SF guys. Hey, can you deliver this bag of 100 grand to these Taliban members and get Charles back? and I'll give you guys a quarter of a million dollars for doing it. Happens more common, more often than people actually think. And it comes into the whole thing of if that goes south and there's a big shootout, the point, the blame's not getting, the, the blame's not shifted onto America or Australia or the UK. The blame's on, all oh, well, that operation went wrong. And we hear about it, probably not. You, you won't hear about that. You hear about America operating in Syria and whatever. You, don't, you won't hear about these PMC guys doing that. And as well, imagine if there's, 10 hostages taken and they're of all different nationalities and American SF or Australian SF go in and one of these people from another nationality gets shot or killed within crossfire or executed from the whoever's taken them, whatever. That creates a lot of issues because, well, who said your SF should go in over ours where these PMCs, they don't hold a state. They're not they're not Australian or American. They're a combination of whatever. So it, it creates a lot of issues. Sorry. It um, circumnavigates a lot of issues around or negates a lot of issues around that too. So as well, we'll start seeing this. And Wagner Group, man, if you said to me, like if, if I was lived in one of these countries and I'm like, I hate my neighbour, I think he's, my neighbour's f***ing me over with business. And I want to I want to expand my corrupt business in some, you know, republic country here and I need this guy killed. The first group I'd be looking at would be Wagner. I bet they're way cheaper than the States and they're just savages. They'll probably also come back and shoot me. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they will continue to be hired and it's a savage world. And, you know, Blinken's probably like, what the f*** is this? But (laughs) at the end of the day, it it will continue happening and Wagner will have have business unless they get wiped off the map. But it's it's a a threat to Putin. They will pull out. I hope Blinken actually put the thing in frame. Oh, I hope he puts that thing in a frame, prints it off or whatever. I don't even know how I came across, probably an email or whatever. I don't know. That's kind of cool. Mm. Well, good. Good job. Way to go, Willie. Good high five. Do you, high, do you high five in Australia? Yeah, we high five. Okay, good. Can we high five? Oh, we're upside down. We'll do it. Upside down? Oh, my God. Maybe we should cut the podcast in the middle and just have me reverse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow. It's another uh, Willie Rob extravaganza. All right, where are you?